Thank you for listening to another episode of Tunnel Vision Podcast. I'm Mario Doremus. I'm Eric Walker. Eric's episode 81. 81. Man, and I mean, it seems like this is a back-to-back podcast because we did one uh, not too long ago. It was a makeup podcast. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not really too much to cover today, but it's huge things to cover, right? Right. So, obviously, um, if you're listening to this, the game has already ended. We already watched it. Outcome of Game 7 for Milwaukee and Boston was towards the Boston Celtics. They beat the defending NBA champions. So we will have a new NBA champion this season. The Milwaukee Bucks will not go back-to-back. But what does this say about the Eastern Conference, right? I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, going into it, right, we kind of said it was wide open. Let's stop for a second. Let's let's say before we go to the Eastern Conference and big up the Eastern Conference and how deep it potentially can be and it you know it, it'll it'll be a tough road ahead for years to come. I, I just ask that you one more time put some goddamn respect on Jason Tatum. I won't respect them, Jason said from the last podcast. Well, I understand that, but I think... Have you seen my Twitter? I've been putting a lot of respect on Jason Tatum. Now, we're not going to turn this into a Jason Tatum love affair because that's not why I'm here. <laughs> but I'm just saying. No, Jason Tatum played lights a, out. That and, is a bad man. And we got to give a lot of we got to give a lot of credit to Grant Williams too, right? He stepped up big in the second half. What, 25 points today, which was a career high for him. It was the most he scored in his entire career so far, and that's including the regular season. So, like, Boston's, Boston was clicking today, like, on all cylinders. But Jason Tatum, as the as the 24-year-old, and that's crazy to me, a 24-year-old doing this stuff in the NBA, but I also have to realize that the NBA is a young man's league now. Like, and that's what it is. Like, growing up, I was so accustomed to it, and, and even you, like the the guys who were like the true veteran or the true leaders were the veteran guys who were like 28, 29, 30. Yeah, but that has nothing to do with elite level play at 24. We see, we've seen that before. We've seen it before. Yeah, absolutely. But have we seen it like this, right? Yes. Well, I mean, outside of LeBron, it's, it's been like the phenoms. LeBron James, Kobe Bryant at 24, Tracy McGrady at 24. Um, well, Tracy McGrady didn't win a playoff series. Like, I mean, yeah, but we, but, we've but seen the scoring. It, yeah, Elite level play is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. We've seen the elite level play. Like, guys who can go out and score. They can. Allen Iverson get, did it. Yeah. But this, I think, is different. Ray Allen did it. I think it's different because we're talking about carrying the team in the playoffs, right? Like, outside of LeBron, we haven't seen it much. It, it's, Kevin it's, Durant. Kevin Durant, we've seen it, yeah. Steph Curry. Steph was Steph was over twenty four. Uh... Yeah, Steph was Steph was like I think he was right over twenty four. Okay. Close like, to it though. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, I mean we've seen the elite level play. But the, the elite level leadership. And I'm I'm keen in on leadership. I I think I'll be honest with you, bro. Um I was watching the pivot, and shout out to those guys, um, Fred Taylor, Shannon, and um, Ryan Clark. They had Warren Sapp on, 
And I did. See, I saw that one as well. Warren Sapp broke it down to where like he said it, but he didn't. He didn't go. He didn't expound upon it, and I did in my head. These younger guys today don't know enough. These OGs that played back in the day have a lot of knowledge of the game. It was you played the game off of knowledge and ability. Now today's game, a lot of things are being played off ability, right? And he said some of these younger guys think they know so much that they don't want to learn from the OGs. The beauty of what Jason Tatum is doing is Jason Tatum is a, a young cat that really understands the game of basketball. He has a high-level IQ as well as, we got to be honest, since he's been in the league before Kobe Bryant's passing, he picked his brain. Yeah, and not only that, but you also got to understand that Jason Tatum grew up around the game too, like... 100%. Yeah, like, you know, his dad and Larry Hughes are best friends. Right. I learned that watching Knucklehead Podcast. Shout out to Q Rich and uh, Darius Miles. But, yeah. And then not only that, you come into the game as a historical franchise. And you almost have no choice but to work on your craft when you're in Boston. What the fuck else you going to do? That's a lot to do in Boston. Yes. But you're a basketball player. You're a black male. Basketball is your thing. Yeah, for sure. Like, if you follow Jason Tatum on any social media, you understand and know two things. He always has his son with him, and he's always playing basketball. It's always something basketball related. You don't very you don't very seldom see anything else outside of that. Which I don't follow Jason Tatum on any social media platform. I do. But that that just goes to show you that this kid is locked in. He's ready. And he's playing and he's balling lights out. Yeah, and I think we have to give a big a big up to him. And, like, Ime Udoka was the first-year head coach in Boston this year. Right. But to think of what they just did, right, over the past two series. The first series, you sweep a Brooklyn team that has Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And then, right after that, you eliminate the defending, reigning NBA champion with... A guy who they can like, people consider the best player in the world right now, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like, have we have we ever seen that before? Because looking back and thinking about every playoff series that I've seen or every playoff run, I can't remember a time where I'm like, man, they just took out two of the best players in the world, and these are two teams, Boston and the Nets. A lot of people had favorite. In the finals at the beginning of the season. Hell, I think I even picked the Nets um, at the beginning. Then I kind of switched to Milwaukee just because um, they were playing lights out as well. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, when we look at, like, this run that they're having, right, and looking at what Boston is doing, I think it's it's only fair that we can really just tip our hats off to, like, the exceptional play that they've had. Throughout these first two playoff series. And, man, I don't know if I can show enough love to Jason Tatum, man. Like, this is is a guy, remember, I was fighting it for, like, two years to be like, okay, like, he's not a superstar yet. He not, like, Jason Jason Tatum is a bona fide superstar. Top, and I'm, 
And I even said on Twitter, he's top five in the league, but he's not top. But he's not five. He may be three or four. You know it was crazy when when the Lakers drafted Lonzo Ball. I fucking had a fit. I had a fit. And I said, why would you draft Lonzo Ball? Yes, I get it. Household name. He yes, I get it. He's from Chino Hills. I get it. They compared him a lot to Jason Kidd. He'll help sell tickets. I get it. And they already had Brandon Ingram, so I think at that point they were like, okay, let's you know, we, we already got a wing. But but but, but they end up end up still getting um Cal Kuzma. Same draft, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I believe it was the same draft. Go get fucking Jason Tatum. Well, man, you got to think though. The beginning, the begin, the front end of that draft, right? I think that they felt like they couldn't, they couldn't get a better guard. You do not need a point guard in this league. I won't. I won't say that. I won't say that. I think it's depending upon how the team is run. I think I, I understand what you're saying though, because it's more of a positionless game today. Right. Right. It is. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you didn't, you don't need that guy. Like, is it good to have a point guard when you have scores? Yes. You can facilitate, especially if you got a big run, pick and roll, et cetera, et cetera. We, we did come to find out that Brandon Ingram can handle the ball as well. Yeah, so I get what, so what you're saying is we don't, you don't need a, a star guard, a, star, no. a, super, a superstar point guard no. in a league to be successful, which I agree. No. Which I agree. You don't. Because I think now, more so than ever, you see point forwards as the leading uh, catalyst for a team. Right. More so than a, a traditional point guard. Right. Or a point guard of any type, right? And, shit, most point guards nowadays, just, they they score more than they facilitate. Correct. Which, Lonzo Ball, if you look at him, he's a, a typical point guard, right? He's a traditional, yeah. old-fashioned he can run the pick and roll on you can do he can defend he's a great defender but he is not like oh I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna give you 30 a game or I'm gonna give you 25 a game Jason Tatum has become one of the best two-way players in this league without a doubt and I know Kawhi people are gonna say oh Kawhi Leonard Kawhi Leonard's hurt he's been hurt for a couple years now um Clay Thompson was hurt he's starting to finally bounce back a little bit finally had a good shoot night the, the other night so we'll see what he does today, right? Game seven. No, no, no. He's no. They they won. They, no, they won. I'm sorry. Yeah, Memphis is eliminated Memphis now. Eliminated. Yes, I'm tripping. Um, Memphis, y'all stupid for playing whoop that trick at the end of that game. Um, at at the end of what game four? Game five. Game five. Game five. That ain't do nothing but spark them cats to come back and kick out ass. So um, I forgot about that. But yeah. Um, no, nah, but I would agree with you though. Like Jason Tatum is let's not even beat around the bush, right? Like we just try to keep it authentic, right, as much as we can. And I'll say it, Jason Tatum is probably the best two way player in the league outside of Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I will say he's probably and he's I mean, I won't say probably he is more skilled than Giannis. You know what I mean? For I, sure. Without a doubt. And I I think that honestly when we look back at this, man, you're talking about Jason Tatum. In the next four years, five years, could be the face of the NBA, right? Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, and that's no disrespect to Giannis because I know Giannis is still fairly young. Guy who just entered his prime. Something like this happens to Giannis. I wouldn't be shocked if Giannis... I know Giannis signed an extension, right? Yeah, Giannis signed an extension. 
If nothing happens in the next year or two, I can kind of see Giannis trying to find his way out. So let me ask you a question, though. So how do we rate this win in the series? I mean, I think obviously you still have to get like the, the champs are the champs. Because we also have to, we can't, we can't discredit the fact that Chris Middleton didn't play the entire series. But at the end of the day, next man up, right? Like the next guy has to step up, regardless of that. Giannis, if he is as dominant as you know they claim him to be in a series like this, when it's no Chris Middleton, he's got to step it up even more. Which he had a great series, but it just wasn't enough because everybody else couldn't get it going. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, this this is a hell of a series for Boston to overcome. Um, You're talking about a team who's, for the most part, stuck together. They they haven't really brought too many pieces in and out of that organization over the past two to three years, Um, which is probably a true testament to why they're playing the way they're playing right now is because um, they they have that consistency. I always tell you, and I'm a firm believer of it, if you have consistency – as a staff and as a unit, as a, as players and as a franchise, um, there's opportunities for you to, to be successful. And I think this is one of those things where they, they kind of finally turned the page, uh, made a coaching change that probably was very needed, um, and, and and been lights out ever since. Yeah, and big and a big uh, big props to that coaching staff because remember it was a lot of turmoil and a lot of question marks surrounding who was going to be the man there just going into the season, right? Because over the past two years, that was kind of the talk to, oh, Boston won't be able to get it done because they don't even know who the true leader is. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it seems like that coaching staff has gotten every player there to buy into their role. Marcus Smart has bought into what he does well, right? He's a guy, he's going to come out, he's going to be a force on defense. He's going to shoot threes when needed. But they know that Jason Tatum is the leader, and Jalen Brown has bought into being that number two option. Well, you you almost, to be honest, like <clears throat> if you're Jalen Brown, you almost had to, right? To a certain extent, you you know the writing on the wall is it, it it's almost one of those things where it's like I know he's better. It, it, no offense and buts about it, he's better. I don't care what you. I mean, we're not talking about Jalen Brown being a superstar right now. And there's a, that, that's one reason. No, no, and, and and I won't disagree with you. I mean, but as a as a player, you know what I mean. You always want to feel like, oh, well, I could be the, a number one option. Which I think Jalen Brown is very capable of going to a team and being the number one option. Correct, but but in your in Jalen Brown's mind, in my opinion, he sat there and said, "I know what I know." The organization, there's there, everybody knows Jason Tatum is the man. There's no reason for me to fight for it. Let, let him be Batman. Let me be Robin. And we can hopefully get this thing done. The more and more you try to... Uh, Jalen Brown tried to potentially be the guy. That would have just caused so much turmoil in that, in that, in that franchise. Yeah, a thousand percent. But and, and that's why I'm saying like I, I think we have to give a... like For sure. A huge shout out to... Shout, uh, definitely. But th- that's a credit to the, the coaching change. Brad Stevenson was one of those guys where he kind of played the numbers game a little bit too much. Like, he was an analytics guy, and he played the analytical thing too much to where it was forcing guys. Like, like the reason why Marcus Smart is being, having so much success, there's no limitations on Marcus Smart. The harder Marcus Smart plays, 
you see he makes plays offensively as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, but when Brad Stevens was there, it was there was limitations on what Marcus Smart could and couldn't do. Well, yeah, no, no, absolutely. Like, you know what I mean? And I think one of, that's one of the things, because I watched Marcus Smart a lot when he was in college at Oklahoma State, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was the man at Oklahoma State. Like, yeah. he was a scorer. He can score. Yeah. Right out. And I, I think that... As a matter of fact, he lacked the defensive uh, capability that for the, for that matter at college. Yeah. No, and, and I, I, I will agree with you. And I think him being inserted really in, as, a, like as a starter, that's helped them a lot. For sure. Because now it's like, okay, well, Marcus Smart just not like a, a guy who coming off the bench and he shoot a couple threes. Like, no, nah, they actually get, they're giving him opportunity to be a playmaker. Yeah, be a playmaker. Go make some plays. We 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 don't need a true point guard on this team. They they don't. No, no, and and, and that goes back to the conversation that you had about the Lakers. Right. Like, and I think that this shows. That, you know, I mean, this positionless style of basketball is all like, hey, we just need a guy who can come down and, and who can handle the rock. Yeah, I mean, but that that is the future. That is the current and the future of the, the NBA. Positionless basketball, let's go out and play, switch, pick and rolls, you know, be able to run pick and rolls, um, isolation basketball, and, and, and go. Yeah, because if, if we look at it, the only team that really has like a true traditional style of play are the Phoenix Suns that are left in this, That are if you think about it, because they have a traditional point guard in Chris Paul. Devin Booker is what I would call a true, like a true position or a true shooting guard, right? He doesn't deviate and go like he'll play the three, four. No, he just plays the two. At most, he'll play a point guard position if Chris Paul is, is out. But if you look at it, and then they got DeAndre Ayton back, kind of back. I would say Giannis does it at times, right? Um, but but Giannis also is uh, coming down carrying a rock too. You know what I mean? Yeah. More of a point forward. Yeah. Like they don't have like I mean, and you also have to think the way that they use Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis is playing like small forward now, which he should be. You know what I mean? But when he came into the league, he was a power forward. Sometimes he had to play center. Right. So, I don't know, man. I I, I would say that, no, you're you're a thousand percent right about, you know what I mean, like the the way that the game has gone. And, I mean, shit, you make a valid case because if the Lakers draft Jason Tatum. There's no need for LeBron James in my opinion. Yeah, no. I think you're a thousand percent right. And maybe you still have a team with Brandon Ingram on it. Yep. Yeah, game seven tonight. Um... We got uh, Dallas and Phoenix. And Phoenix, yeah, at, at Phoenix, at eight Phoenix. o'clock. Yeah, so who you liking this game? I don't know. I'm gonna give you a, 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 a stat that I thought was a little odd, but probably good. Luka Doncic averages not 39 points a game in elimination games. You said 39? 39 in elimination elimination games. Wow. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's going to be a huge game, man. Another interesting fact, Devin Booker's never played in the Game 7. So, let, let, let's, just, let's just go. Let's not beat around it. Let's, let's, let's hit it head first. Who you got? I'm going with Phoenix. It's in Phoenix. I think and it's crazy. I'm telling you. I, I woke up this morning with a feeling about Devin Booker. I, I think Devin Booker's about to do something special tonight. I can't guarantee it, but it's just a feeling that I got. 
But I'm rolling with Phoenix because of that. I'm going to go ahead and roll with the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, Dallas, Dallas Golden State in the Western Conference Finals? Yep. Oh, then we could have a completely different NBA Finals, right? Like two two whole new teams. For sure. No, that's a, that's a bold pick. I mean, I'm not saying that it can't be done. Obviously, Dallas played exceptional in the last game. And, you know, going into the series, I didn't think it would go past six games. But I, I would say that I've been very surprised with the play of Jalen Brunson. We knew he could ball, but I think over the past two series, he's kind of elevated his game a lot higher. And, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm really just looking forward to watching some good hoop tonight, man. Yeah, me too. So, I don't know, man. And this, I mean, this kind of be the, I, I would say that, Phoenix is desperate to to get this win because, look, I know it's people say it all the time. It's kind of cliche, but it's hard to get back, man. It's hard if, if there's any opportunity for the Phoenix Suns to get back to an NBA championship, and for Chris Paul for that matter, this is the year. Because every year, like what what do I say? There's so much change during the off season, and teams are usually getting better, right? And not only that, players are getting older. And then also the fact that Phoenix, they don't have DeAndre Ayton locked up on a contract extension. Nope. So, I mean, that stuff can all be figured out in the offseason, but there's no guarantee he'll be there after this offseason. So, I'm going to go ahead. I'm rolling with Phoenix tonight. I think Devin Booker is going to find a way to get it done. He might have a 50-piece tonight. Hmm. Okay. So, with that being said, we Eastern Conference matchups. Eastern yeah. Conference matchup is set. It's set. Yeah, Miami and Phoenix. Miami, no, Miami and Boston. Oh, Miami and Boston. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm still thinking yeah, about yeah, the Suns. Miami and Boston. Who do you have in that series? And how many games? That's tough, man. And I was just talking to uh, one of my one of my homeboys about this. Um, my homeboy, you know Jamal. Yeah. I was talking. It's so hard to talk about the Miami Heat because, I mean, if you look at every advantage, they have it, right, outside of that superstar player. Like, but the one thing I will say, they have opportunity to go out and defend well against Boston because it's it's closer in, in the matchup, right? But I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to roll with – I'm rolling with Miami, I got Boston. How many games? Six. I, I'm gonna say Miami in seven. Like, and I, and it's it's no shade to Jason Tatum because I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Boston won, but I think that the the key factor in this series is gonna be two guys: Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero. And I know a lot of people, you know, Jimmy Butler's been exceptional, so I, I expect for him to be a consistent force, right? I expect for Jimmy Butler to be a consistent player throughout the like the rest of the uh, playoffs. So in this series, I expect him to play well. But if they can get Tyler Harrow going off the bench, obviously he's the sixth man of the seat of the year. And then Bam Adebayo, who I think is probably one of the more underrated players in the NBA, and he's also one of the best two-way players in the NBA. I think that they can beat uh, Boston because I don't think Boston has an answer for Bam. I do think they. I think they can. They can cancel out the scoring of a couple guys with just Jason Tatum alone. 
but Bam out of Bayou is is a big uh, a big matchup uh, for the Boston Celtics. But no, it's, I think it'll be a very interesting series. Um, I can't wait for it to get here. So I don't know, man. Who you, so who you like in the finals now? I mean, obviously, Milwaukee's been eliminated. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm going with Boston, and I'm going with Golden State. Boston and Golden State. That's interesting. somebody on Twitter just said that they would like to see that matchup. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna have to go Miami and Phoenix. I'm gonna go Miami Phoenix. Uh, but man, Eric Spoelstra, he might get it done again this year. Remember they they had opportunity in the bubble. They end up losing to the Lakers, but it's I'm torn, man. I don't because I don't know. It could go. It could go a lot of different ways, right? Like go a lot of different ways. But and I think that's the that's the other reason I would give the uh, I would give the advantage to Miami in the series against Boston, just because of coaching experience. Even though Ime Udoka, he's you know what I mean he's played with the championship team, right, with the San Antonio Spurs. But I just think that coaching at this level, Eric Spoelstra has been there so many times. He's done it so many times. And I think that he kind of, him already having that experience is going to really, like, get Miami over the hump. But, man, very, very interesting uh, NBA talk. But NFL, man, just had a schedule release. Yeah. It was literally a day after our last podcast. But NFL schedule release is here. You know what I mean? Some things that we know for, uh, for sure and for certain. The Bengals have five primetime games. Is that too many or is it just the right amount of primetime games? Uh, that might be a little high for them. Uh, but they got Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Burrow is one of the most uh, <clears throat> electrifying quarterbacks right now in this league. Um, he's, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in this league. And it's well deserved. They went to the Super Bowl last year, so I ain't gonna it ain't I ain't gonna get on them too bad about that. Yeah, no, no. And I, I was just asking, you know what I mean? Like some people are like, uh, it's a lot of you know, it's a lot, but I mean I, I think they they're well deserving of it too. And it's I mean this what's gonna get people to tune in, right? People are gonna watch for Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, like you know, those mm-hmm. are the things. That's what people wanna see, right? They wanna see high explosive offensive games. So it'll give them opportunity to see that. Yep. Yeah. For sure. So I looked at the Cowboys schedule and I got them at like eleven or twelve wins potentially. What do you have the Philadelphia Eagles at? I actually I looked at the Eagles schedule and I mean it, it, NFC East teams they kind of got off. You know I mean it's, it's easier schedules than most other teams. Um, I can I can admit to that, but I saw I saw ten wins for the Eagles. Okay. Potentially eleven, depending upon how healthy they stay. I see uh, ten or eleven wins. Realistically, gotcha. Um, but man, so if you had to go through the season and it was five notable games, five games that you were looking forward to seeing, what games would they be? Um, one, it's, I always like to see the Dallas Cowboys and um, the Bengals. That's that's just one of the games. Yeah, it's week two, right? Yeah, yeah week two. Are you kinda, going to Dallas for that game? I kind of, I don't know. Because Sunday night, we during the, we got practice on Monday. Or Sunday afternoon, sorry. We got practice on Monday. 
we probably have film on Saturday. Okay, so you won't be going. You won't be. So more than likely, I probably won't. I was hoping that the rumor was that they were going to play on Thanksgiving, and that would have been perfect. Yeah, well, I mean that was the rumor before the before the schedule schedule dropped. Yeah. So, um, but another team is I want to see the Bengals and the the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Bengals and Baltimore Ravens um, usually have great games against each other. are you you referring to the week five matchup? Yes, week five matchup. Sunday night football. Sunday night football. Um, I want to see. I want to see the. Um, I want to see them two go ahead. Um, hopefully, both teams are healthy. Um, I think that's going to be one hell of a game. Another team that I want to see <clears throat> that I'm looking forward to is the the, the Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers. Um, that's one of those games where. In my mind, the Green Bay Packers, we we always play them kind of close, but we always lose. I want to see the, the Cowboys take a turn this year. They play a lot of teams that can be either really, really good or mediocre. Um, with the Green Bay Packers, they play the Rams, and they play the Bucks, and they open up with the Bucks. So it's like those, those are some high-profile games that they got to get the monkey off their back. Um, and I definitely want to want to just see that. Um, the Rams. Buffalo week one. That's huge. That's huge. That's show me the money huge. Like <laughs> you can't get no better than that. That's one of those things where it's like you, you, you want to see those two go at it and and, and get after it really, really good and go through uh, week six, Kansas City and Buffalo. Um, that's a rematch. That's a rematch. Um, so that's another game that I would like to see. Um, and then the Kansas City and the Bengals. That's week 13. That, that That's huge. That's a huge game. That's The Bengals beat Kansas City two times last year. So those are those are some pivotal games that I think can make or break some of these team seasons um, where you're talking about some of the best teams in the league right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, I mean, I, I look throughout the schedule, man, and I see so many games that I'm like, man, this game could impact a lot. This game could impact a lot. There's a lot of good teams in the league this year. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, we always say there's pretenders and contenders. There's a lot of contenders. Yeah, no, it, because I feel like, especially after last season, I kind of feel like the league is more wide open now. It is. Because it's like, you you remember, it was kind of like, okay, these guys, they have these players, these players. So, they're, but now you're starting to see with players taking more ownership of their career and be like, hey, you know what? I want to be out. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be loyal here. I'm I'm going somewhere. I want to go somewhere else. I want to play elsewhere. Like you saw with uh, Devontae Adams and you saw with Tyreek Hill, obviously both choosing and I, you know what I mean, choosing to say that hey, I want to go play somewhere else. You know what I mean? You leave a team that you're like, hey, the shit. Devontae Adams was getting 12 wins consistently for the past three years. Tyreek Hill went to what four NFC Championship games or not uh, AFC Championship games. You know what I mean? He could have just stayed and like, hey, you know what? I'm comfortable. You know what I mean? I might not be the highest paid wide receiver, but I know I have a chance to compete for a Super Bowl. He said, nah, you know what? Pay me. It's time that I get paid. I want to go elsewhere. 
I want to get paid what Devontae Adams get. So Kansas City said, okay, well, we we'll we'll value that request, right? And they said we'll trade you. So, um, but when I look at the uh, schedule, it's like, man, it's one game that's sticking out to me that I'm like, yo, this game could be huge, right? And they're talking about week uh, week twelve, and it's New Orleans and San Francisco. Now, when I look at New Orleans, I'm like, think about everything that they just did, right? They just drafted Chris Olave, getting Mike Thomas back. Jameis Winston's coming off an Achilles or off ACL injury, and then you just add Jarvis Landry. That's huge. That is. And San Francisco still one of those teams because I don't know what's going on with Debo Samuel. Like that kind of talk. Remember, it was like, okay, he wants out. That's kind of died down. Like nobody said anything about Debo Samuel's as of late. Yeah, I think the asking price was just too high for him. Yeah, but I mean, it's still one of those teams. Like, even with they still got Brandon Ayuk, Trey Lance could take a turn next year. Even if J- Jimmy Garoppolo is still on that roster, I think we could see Trey Lance going to steal his job during preseason. I think during preseason that will show us a lot about what we need to see from Trey Lance. Is he the future of the San Francisco 49ers, and is he ready right now? Mm-hmm. And I think that I think the answer to that is yes. But it's still one of those teams that's going to be a great defensive team. They've got pieces on offense still. And I still think that they're right. Maybe two. They might have been two pieces away from the Super Bowl. And they might have those two pieces. Considering that they did just draft one of the best corners in this NFL draft. Another game that I'm was that i looking forward to. Week 2. And this might be biased. But the Philadelphia Eagles Monday Night Football against the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota is one of those teams that the Eagles typically struggle with. But I believe that this will prove to a lot of people that, hey, the Eagles are ready this year. And I know Shannon Sharp is saying that he's still not a believer because he doesn't think Jalen Hurts is a good thrower of the football. Jalen Hurts is a guy who I think this year has got a lot. He's got a lot to prove, but he's more so of proving people wrong, not more so to prove to himself. You know what I mean? And I think that a, a lot of people will bite their words about Jalen Hurts and his abilities. He ran the football last year because he had to, majority of the time. I do think he kind of struggles getting off of that first read. But I think that with the addition of A.J. Brown, I don't think that that'll be a, a big issue this upcoming season. Because teams won't be able to key in just on Devontae Smith like they did last year. And we also have to remember the Philadelphia Eagles, despite not having... One of the best running backs in the league. They still led the NFL in rushing yards uh, as a team. Third game that I would say that I want to see this season. And look, I'm—I know it's a division game, and they—they're gonna play twice a year. But the Denver Broncos and the Chargers. I know you were talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and that being a big game between them and the Bengals. But the AFC West, man, I think we could kind of see a change in the guards. And I think either Russell Wilson, who's a new addition to the AFC West, or Justin Herbert, who a lot of people have been kind of waiting for him to make that playoff push. One of those teams, I think, will dethrone the Kansas City Chiefs this year in the AFC West. And I think that they make a splash. And I'm one of those guys, I'm in favor of saying... The Denver Broncos could be in the AFC Championship game this year. You add Russell Wilson, they'll have a top five, top ten defense. Melvin Gordon is coming back. 
I'm just saying look out for them. Another uh, fourth game I would say I'm looking forward to. And this might be a shocker. But week, t- uh, week 10, Cleveland Browns at the Miami Dolphins. You're talking about this. Cleveland's going to have a stout defense again. They will have a stout defense. Now it's going to be time. It'll be right there in the middle of the season. I think the, the Dolphins will have, they should have a, a pretty decent record, right? But I think that's going to show us is Tua ready or is Tua not ready? Is Tua the guy? Like, that's the question in Miami this year, right? Everything else out the window, if if the team is healthy, it's Tua the guy. Because that's that's what people, like, that's what they have to figure out this year. Right? I, I mean, you give him everything that he needs to be successful. You hope that the new coach can go in. I mean, everybody was raving about him, right? Everybody was raving about him when he got hired. So now it's, okay, time to put up or show up for Tua. And I'm, I'm not, and this is no way of me trying to bash or disrespect Tua Tunga by Lowe because I got a lot of respect for him. You know what I mean? Like, playing at the professional level is not an easy task for any, you know what I mean, for any player, but especially at the quarterback position now, the way that guys are kind of under the microscope. You know what I mean? And we know that the leash is short. I mean, I, th- I think that they should give guys like maybe four to five years to figure out if they're if they're the guy. But you see so much early success, man. And this, you know what I mean? Like the NFL, like it, I feel like the leash is getting shorter and shorter for a lot of guys, right? Outside of Nathan Peterman, for some reason Nathan Peterman will keep a job. I don't know how that happened, but he will keep a job. And. I say that the last game that I'm looking forward to, or the the fifth game, even though I'm, I'm looking forward to damn near every every week of football, right? But week 17, Buffalo Bills at the Cincinnati Bengals. Man, that's gonna be a game because a lot of people were saying, "Oh, Josh Allen is Josh Allen that this is Josh Allen's year to make it to a Super Bowl," right? But I think you still kind of got to go through the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, you, so I think that's going to be the, and that's also going to be a game that I look and say, man, is Joe Burrow, is he a top five quarterback? I think Josh Allen is. I'm still on the fence about Joe Burrow. I would say he's top 10, closer to like eight or nine, but top 10, I'm still like, uh, or top five, I'm, I'm still on the fence about that. If he can go, if he can find a way, on Monday Night Football to beat that Buffalo Bills team and make it look impressive on like on the offensive side of the ball, I might have to key in Joe Burrow as a top five quarterback. So for me, those would be the five games that I'm looking forward to in this upcoming season. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Is it, has there been anything that you're like, man, this team got a they got a tougher schedule? Like they might not be. What we think they will. No, I haven't dived into the schedules that far enough to do that. Um, I'll kind of start doing that once I start preparing here in maybe July or August for the draft. Okay. For fantasy football. I, I do have a question, though. Like, while we're on the podcast, I mean, obviously, it's not much to talk about. But I did want to ask you about this. So, have you heard the uh, comments that Ryan Tannehill made to Malik Willis? Yes. Saying that he's it's not his job to mentor him. Yes. How do you feel about that? I mean, obviously Malik Willis came out and said Ryan Tannehill invited you know, all the rookies to his house. 
you know what I mean? He said he was a, a good guy to him. You know, he wasn't, like, rude or anything like that. But how do you feel about those comments that Ryan Tannehill made? Uh, we, we always hear the, those comments made by quarterbacks. Um, oftentimes, to, to be, like, quite, quite blunt, we hear it from a white quarterback. Um, but um, I, I, I don't mind it. Like, it's... Um, it's one of those things where they're 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 trying to be cautious of who who's taking over their job, and um, they're still fighting for their job and thinking that they can be a um, a, a quarterback and a starting quarterback in the league and don't want to kind of give someone the special sauce. Part of being quarterback is being a leader, so naturally I I would assume that he would be able to lead that kid. Now he may not go outside of his way. Um, to do so, but he should be able to make sure that the kid is understanding everything just because because of a, a leadership role in general. Yeah, no, no, and, and I agree. So, well, I mean, when I look and at I, and I take that comment to be honest, like that comment is, I'm going to give him every tool that he needs to be a backup quarterback, but I'm not going above and beyond to to give him the tools. That he needs to be a starting quarterback in this league. That's yeah. just my opinion. No, no, and I would agree with you. I think like the media kind of blew it out of proportion and tried to turn it into something that it it, it obviously isn't because it's not the first time we heard the quarterbacks like when uh, the Green Bay Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers. Brett Favre was, I mean, he was very vocal about, "Hey, I'm not trying to mentor him because in no way do you want somebody to come in and take your job." Right. Right. Like, sometimes you'll see a guy just come out and be like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'll take him under my wing. And But Ryan Tannehill's still a guy who's in his prime, right? He's not being, he's not going to be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to give him, I'm going to show him everything that he needs to do to take my job. Like, no. Yeah. Like, that's that's just not the way that it's, you know I mean, that the world is set up or the world works. Like, I had no issues with Ryan Tannehill being vocal about, oh, no, I'm not going to mentor him. It's not my job to. Right? Like, that's why we have a coaching staff. That's why we have quarterback coaches. I'm not trying to put him in position to take my job. Do I want him on my team? Absolutely. He'd probably be a great teammate. And if I go down or if I'm out, I want him to have the ability to come in and help us win games. But do I want him to take my job? Absolutely not. This is a guy who's trying to see out a $100 million contract. Right? He, he He's not trying to get traded and shipped off to... What's the name of the team? The Houston Texans. He's not trying to get shipped off to the Houston Texans and then have to go into a situation where they're going to rebuild probably for the next three years. Right. So, I, I understood the com- I mean, the comments that Ryan Tannehill was making, and I had no issues with him. I didn't see it as like a, a black-white thing. or No, it was just a, hey, I don't want this guy trying to take my job. For sure. No, I just pointed it out because it, it oftentimes it happens – it's, it's, it's never a black quarterback doing that, saying that. Yeah, I mean, that's true. That's all. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. I mean, we heard comments like that before from Ben Roethlisberger, from, hell, from, even from Aaron Rodgers. He said it, um, like I said before, Brett Favre said it about Aaron Rodgers when he was drafted. Like, it's just, it's just one of those things where it, it's something we've seen all before, but... Um, you got anything you want to say before we get out here? Nah, I'm good, man. Hey, we want to thank everybody for listening to episode of Tunnel Vision Podcast, episode 81. Make sure you go follow us, subscribe to the podcast, anywhere podcasts can be found. Uh, Apple, 
podcast. You can go on Google Play, literally Spotify. Um, but make sure you uh, leave a review for us. Let us know how we're doing. And if you got any suggestions, comments, make sure to hit us up on social media, Twitter and uh, Instagram, tunnel underscore viz underscore pod. Till next time, we out of here. Peace.